Hi, this is Andi Stanley, the host of the podcast, The Adoption Files. Thank you for being here. I am just taking a quick moment to comment on something that I think is really important. And that is the concept of open adoption. I've noticed that a lot of adoption agencies and a lot of pro-adoption organizations and individuals talk about how adoption has changed. It's not like it was during the baby scoop era when I was born and when my mother was coerced into relinquishing me. Now adoption is open. Adoption is not like my experience as a late discovery adoptee either because now Everyone knows from the time they're born because adoption is open. I have a few comments on that perspective. One is that there are no laws that require adoptive parents to inform their adopted child that they are adopted. Today, because of how much it costs to adopt a healthy white infant, let's just be real here, many white families, because it's still predominantly white families in developed countries who are adopting, are opting to compare costs and the amount of time that they have to wait in order to procure a child. Here in the United States and in some other Western countries, it can take years for a prospective adoptive person or couple to be chosen to adopt a child if they wish for that child to match their ethnic identity, their racial identity. Or they can do that cost comparing and they can adopt from countries where the laws regulating adoption are not very strict. There's not a lot of oversight. The population Many of the people are living uh, below what we would consider the poverty line. They have a different concept of adoption and in many cases don't even understand that they are permanently relinquishing a child to a person or couple from an entirely different country. And prospective adoptive people take advantage of this. So this means that they are adopting transracially, which makes it much more difficult for them to conceal the fact that they have adopted a child. And adoption agencies and these pro-adoption people are using this fact to support the idea that adoption is now open. Now, most adoptees will tell you that our concept of an open adoption 
is an arrangement between our families of origin and the family that adopts us, whereby we are allowed to maintain some form of contact with our families from the time we're born throughout our lifetime. This usually begins with exchanges of photographs between adoptive families and our families of origin, and then letters, uh, perhaps gifts on birthdays and visits. And as you know, the adoptee grows older, the ideal is that you're spending time getting to know your extended family, your siblings, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your cousins, while also being a part of your adoptive family. This acknowledges the adoptee's origins. It does not erase the adoptee's identity. It provides them with genetic mirroring, with a sense of their history, their temperament and talents. They can see them reflected in the people around them. Now, it's not an easy thing to maintain an open adoption. An adoptee is going to have a lot of questions about this arrangement. They're going to wonder why they can see their family but not live with them. They're going to wonder why they are with these other people. There are going to be times when they're unhappy with one side or the other, and this can cause some tension. But if you are going into becoming an adopted parent, you need to have done the work prior to taking on the responsibility for someone else's child and be ready have resources, line up therapists for yourself as well as for your adopted child because let's not make the adoptee the identified patient here. Let's recognize that this is a family systems issue. It's not just an adopted person's issue. And what often happens in cases where this type of open adoption is initially agreed upon, the adoptive parents begin to find the arrangement problematic when the child begins asking questions. They begin to find the arrangement problematic when the extended family and the family of origin wishes to spend more time with the child. They begin to find it especially problematic if the child is experiencing discomfort or distress or anxiety because of the situation. And rather than helping the adoptee to navigate that and recognizing that this is a difficult situation, they will abruptly close the open adoption and say to other people and to themselves that this is in the best interest of the child because obviously the child is upset. And so they're doing what they think is best for the child when but in reality, it is, is that they're doing what's easiest for them. This is the easiest solution for them. And most of the time, there are few to no repercussions for this, because in most of the United States, at least, open adoptions are not legally enforceable. In order for an open adoption to be legally enforceable, the 
mother or father needs to have it written into the legal documents at the time of relinquishment. Most parents in crisis are not aware of this. The lawyers that the adoptive couple or person is using are looking out for their best interest, not for the uh, mother's best interest. The agency, whether it's a public social services agency or a private adoption agency, they're not looking out for the best interest of the family of origin. They don't make a profit that way. And please don't get me wrong. Adoption agencies are for-profit endeavors and public social service they receive a stipend from the federal government for every adoption that they facilitate. So they're making money off of adoptions. Lawyers are going where the money is, and that is with the adoptive parents and with the public agencies, not in the majority of cases with the family of origin. If the family of origin had the financial means, the majority of them would keep the child in within their own family rather than see the child relinquished. So open adoption, when you hear it touted by the Cradle Adoption Agency in Evanston, Illinois, or by the Hoyt Adoption Agency, in their Vernacular and open adoption simply means that they are encouraging the adoptive uh, persons to disclose to the adoptee that they are adopted. They are not ensuring that a true open adoption is taking place, nor will they step up and defend the rights of the family of origin when the adopters abruptly cut off contact. It's just a way to manipulate families of origin and to perhaps, at least during the process of trying to persuade someone to give their child to them, reassure the adopters that they're doing the right thing that they are being the bigger person, that they are respecting the child's family. Now, when it comes to cases where legally enforceable open adoptions have been put into place, there's an unfortunate history of adoptive families who have chosen to cut off contact of simply moving from one jurisdiction to another in order to avoid uh, having a court enforce visitation. There are ongoing cases in a number of states where this is occurring. Families are taking adoptive families to court they are demonstrating that they have a legally enforceable open adoption visitation uh, agreement in place. 
the judges are ruling in the favor of the family of origin and the adoptive family is simply picking up and moving. My own adoptive parents who did not disclose to me and to the other child that they adopted, that we were adopted, had a plan in place. My adoptive mom, after I found out about my adoption, was very proud of the fact that they had discussed the possibility that my mother or my grandparents or my brother's mother or his grandparents might seek to reclaim us from them before the legal fostering period had been used up and our adoptions had been finalized. My adoptive mom was going to take the children. This would have included her own daughter and the two of her adopted children to another country where she planned to stay until her husband was able to join them. And they were going to raise us basically as fugitives. And there would have been no way for our families to reclaim us without, I don't know, potentially hiring somebody to just go grab us off of the playground at our school or from the street in front of our home. People say that it's not like this anymore. That's a lie. That or they're grossly uninformed, misinformed, deliberately rationalizing something that they know isn't true. Whatever the case is, when you hear the words open adoption, ask questions. Ask, what do you mean when you say open adoption? What are the safeguards that are in place for the adopted person should their adopted parents want to sever contact with their families of origin? Does the adopted person even know that they're adopted? Define terms. Adoption is one of those realms where defining terms is absolutely crucial because what an adoptee may be saying about their adoptee experience can be very different from what the other person, the non-informed person, thinks they're hearing and vice versa. And the general public can hear adoption agencies and organizations assuring people that, oh, you know, we're respecting the rights of the child and we would never deny them their identities and we do everything we can to ensure their mental and emotional and physical safety. And what their standards are for those things may be very different from what common sense or ethics might decree. So that's my thing. This is something that's just been weighing on me. And as somebody who was denied the opportunity to know my family of origin until I was in my 30s, someone who it took an additional 20 years to figure out who my paternal family is and who has been trying to come to terms with the tremendous sense of loss that I feel seeing the 
resemblance I have with my family of origin, the things that I missed out on, the siblings that I'll never get to know because we were raised in such different environments and who never even knew I existed. Uh, the relationships with my adoptive siblings that failed miserably because they were trying to lie to me. As someone who routinely has adoptees of all ages reach out to them to say how much they wish they knew who they look like, who they sound like, if their mannerisms resemble anyone's, if anyone likes the same things that they do, who have never felt comfortable like they fit. This is, it's important. It really is. If, if you have difficulty hearing that from those of us who are adopted, I get it. Having a narrative that you've clung to your entire life, maybe without even realizing it, challenged, can be painful. It can be difficult. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth confronting. It doesn't mean that it's not worth doing the work to get yourself to a place where you understand an issue more clearly and can empathize with the people who are talking to you about it. And can, you can take the steps to ally yourself to help us as we seek to reform the modern adoption industry. Thanks for listening.